It's something for nothing. We are back. It's Steve and Jerry, the Hello. Rush Fan Cast. Welcome. Uh, we're going to do part two of our chat about the first Rush album. What do you think of that? I think that's a great idea. It is a great idea. You can follow us on Twitter. That's a great idea too. At Rush Fancast. <laughs> Instagram the Rushcast. Email Jerry at the Rushcast at gmail.com. You're sending so many emails. He's inundated, but he loves it. So yes. keep them coming. Uh, our podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podcast Addict. And what was the other one? Overcast. Overcast. That's also the weather right now. Strangely, <laughs> it is. it's overcast. Please rate us on your favorite podcast app. We really appreciate it. And uh, how are you today, Jerry? I never ask you how you are when we do these podcasts. How are you? I'm I'm great. Well, good. Yeah. You? That's, I'm great. You're always great. You know, I wanted to thank uh, Skip Daly and Eric Hansen invited us to Toronto. Oh, yeah. And Mark Irwin, of course. Can't forget him. He invited us to Toronto no, as well. No, he's great. To the book signing right. for their book, Wandering the Face of the Earth. Yep. We had a great time. We and uh, we wanted to thank them for letting us uh, kind of crash their party almost. Yeah, we crashed the party. We crashed the party. Yeah. But they were kind enough to allow us to do that. Yeah. It they, was a fun trip. They asked us to crash, I guess. So they did. They did. Well, Mark asked us to crash. I yeah. think Eric and Skip <laughs> kind of went along with it, but um, but Mark talked him into it. And it was nice of him to do that. It but was. the the re well, I wanted to thank them, and also I did a Twitter poll about our discussion with Skip and Eric oh. on episode eleven of the Rush Fancast. Okay. So uh, they had mentioned I asked the guys what show they wish they had attended but did not attend. Oh, yeah, that's right. And they gave us four choices. The four choices were the first Rush show, 1968, mm -hmm. Massey Hall, 1975. We found out they did not play the Fountain of Lemneth <laughs> at that show, according to Skip. Right. Um, the first Vapor Trail show in 2002 after the Long Rush hiatus, and the final Rush show in Los Angeles, 2015. Mm. So I asked the Twitter audience which show they would prefer to see. Okay. And what do you think they said? The final show. The final show. 52% said the final show. Right. And I think that was a good choice by our Twitter, our Twitter poll. Yeah, I think so. Second was uh, Massey Hall 1975, which you can understand. 26%. 16% said first Vapor Trail show. And only 7% said they wanted to be at the first Rush show. I think that would be kind of interesting to see. Now, right. the question is, what what do what you consider the first? Yeah, what constitutes the first I don't first remember show. what Skip said he- What constitutes the first what show? What constitutes the first show? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the first uh, official show on the Rush album tour? I guess so. Opening I guess for so. Kiss? Blue Oyster Cult? Uh, Someone? I don't know. See, see, people are going to start correcting us here left and oh, right, Chair. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So well, I wanted to bring up a, a Rush set list. I always throw a Rush set list. Oh, here. yeah, yeah. We weren't at this show, of course. So the, the set list I brought was Pittsburgh, August 14th, 1974. You know what the significance of that show is, Jer? What is it? August 14th, 1974, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Civic uh, Arena, opening for Uriah Heep. Uh, the first show that Neil played with them. That is correct. They played five songs. Opening set, Jer. Wow. Finding My Way, In the Mood, Bad Boy. Oh, yeah. It's one of those uh, which is a Larry tunes, yeah. Williams cover. Yeah. And Working Man. Wow. And then they finished with Neil's drum solo. So the first show 
Getty and Alex let Neil do a drum solo at the end of the show. Wow. How cool is that? That is very cool. <laughs> they probably said, man, we got to let this guy do a solo. Yeah. Do you think John Russie did drum solos? Maybe. Yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. But to end the show? I don't know. They decided to put Neil on full display right yeah, there. I guess so. Hey, we like Neil. Drum solo. Yeah. Um, and I we got some uh, positive feedback on that very uh, episode where we spoke to Skip and Eric. Oh, yeah? Yeah, on our on our Podbean show page, NetGirl2112. Love that name. That's a great one, right? Virtuality, right? Yeah. Net, and, NetBoy, NetGirl. Yeah. Uh, she said, I'm still waiting for the book, but I've heard this beautiful interview now. Now I'm more excited to read this book. It was a great interview. It got me hooked. Wow. So That's nice of NetGirl. Yeah, it was nice. What did NetBoy have to say? Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he did not reach out? No. He's, <laughs> he's still in his modem. He's putting his message in a modem, and yep. we've learned that modems do exist. <laughs> I won't make that mistake again, that's for sure. They're hidden from view, though, modems. So why don't we delve into side two of the first Rush album, Jerry? What do you say? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the making of the album. Okay. Just a little bit. Sure. I found this uh, discovermusic.com. Getty was talking about while they were making the first album, they were playing in bars and then they would just end their sets and then go record. Right. And he said, we would be doing four sets a night and then we would be finished by 1 a.m. and load out of the bar and load into the recording studio and record all night and then go home to crash for a few hours before loading back into the bar to do another show. The next day? Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's amazing what a 20-year-old can do. The, the work ethic is just out of this world, right? Yeah. Well, it, you think about it, could Rush have done this if they were 35 years old when they know. started out? Probably not. I, I mean, yeah. you look at the, you know, we talk about Eric and Skip's book. I mean, you look at the touring history, they played every night. Yeah, it's insane. It's crazy. It was. And they did it because they were young enough to do it. Well, they I mean, they had, had the, the stamina. Well, they also had the, the drive. drive. Yeah. Really is amazing. Yeah. You have to really want something that badly to do it like that. Oh, sure. But and, I mean, that's, you know, that's the, what's it, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule or whatever. If you really want to master something, you should do it for like 10,000 hours, which he was talking about the Beatles uh -huh. where they would play when they were playing in Hamburg, they would play, you know, just like this five or five or six sets a night for like two years. And that's how they got so great. And no wonder Rush was such a great live band because- Right. They just always played. Yeah. By the time 2112 came around, how many shows had they played? Got by the time this album came out, they had been playing together since 1968, even, I mean, teenagers. It's crazy. It is crazy. They were already together for six years when this album came out. Wow. And was John Rutsey with them the whole time? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the Beatles didn't even last that long, six years. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> I mean, or just about that long, right? Yeah, I guess so, when they became uh, popular anyway. Right. But, you know, Rush was playing high schools and Knights of Columbus and places like right. that for years. Right. And then before. the bars when the- Right. When they were old enough. Yeah. Well, the, the drinking age got dropped to 18 in Canada. Mm -hmm. So they were able to play when they were, I guess, 18. Well, that's how they honed their chops, man. Yeah, those chops, baby. The chops. Chops. So speaking of chops. Speaking of chops. The first song on side two of the Rush debut album is What You're Doing. Well, you 
I would say this is, again, one of the stronger tracks on the record, Jared. What do you think? Yeah, it's a great jam. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it is a great jam. Again, the drum fills. Yeah. Rutsy uh, really, really shines on this one, as yep. he does on, on the whole record, really. Yeah, he does. But I wrote down, uh, I guess this song is, I wrote down, this song is about being hassled by the man. There you go. Is that what it's about? Uh, I would think so. Well, you think that you're right. You think you're out of sight. Tell me something, mister. Why you have to make us so uptight? <laughs> but you know what makes up for that is is the riff. Oh right yeah, the, the riff the riff is the riff is the song. Yeah, it's the whole song. Yeah, absolutely the whole. Song. And I, I don't think Neil ever used the word Mister in a song after this. Uh, probably not. <laughs> Tell you something, Mister. Yeah, <laughs> the lyrics are not the best. They're not outstanding. But They're again, outstanding. but the thing is, are are we comparing them to Neil? Just like we shouldn't compare John Rutsey to Neil. That's Should true. Should we compare Getty and Alex's lyric writing to Neil's? We right. probably should. I think a lot of these songs are better than, uh, I don't know, like, if you like making love. Oh, sure. Right? Oh, I, absolutely. I don't like that song at all. It's one of my least favorite Baby. songs. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> these songs are at least as good as feel like oh, making absolutely. love. Absolutely. And if you're gonna if you're gonna rock out to that song, you, you can rock out to take a friend. Oh, sure. There's no no difference between what you're doing and feel like making love. Except <laughs> I like what you're doing a lot better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know why that song popped into my head. It's the first example of... Of bad lyrics? Yeah, bad (laughs) lyrics. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe because they're bad lyrics. Yeah. But again, I mean, that's a pretty good song. Oh, yeah, sure. I I like Bad Company. I have Bad Company's greatest hits, Jared. I throw it on once in a while. Who doesn't have that? Was it 10 from 6? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's exactly what it's called. (laughs) I have it. Sure. But uh, this is just a great riff, great song, great playing. Yeah. Um, Just good song. Yes. What else can we say? Nothing. <laughs> really. And I guess we won't. No. All right, let's let's check out track two, Jared. This is one that all Rush fans know and love in the mood. Oh, hey, now, baby. Well, I like your smile. Care to interpret these lyrics for us, sir? No. <laughs> I, the first thing I wrote down uh, is uh, I don't believe Getty at all in this song. You don't believe it, I really? Just, I'm not. I'm not feeling. You don't think he's uh, the ladies' man? I just don't. I'm just not feeling the uh, truth coming out of this song. Okay. So what do you think? Uh, quarter, hey, to, quarter to eight is a euphemism for Jar. I don't know. Maybe it's like the <laughs> '70s version of 420. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, baby, it's a quarter to eight. I feel like I'm in the mood. Oh, hey, baby, man. the hour is late. And it's uh, quarter to eight is not very late. I don't no. know. I don't know what yeah, he's Why quarter about. to eight? I don't know. Well, it, it rhymes with late. Exactly. That's why. <laughs> but it's not late. That's the It's thing. not late. It only rhymes with late. Right. Okay. But I think he was going for the rhyme here. Yeah, definitely. But we're, we're overanalyzing it. The, the question is, though, why uh, do they play this song so often? Live. Because I think they like it, and I think people like it. 
People I mean, like I, in the mood. Yeah, I, I just it's just an odd song to like, you know, make part of their even their I mean their later concerts. They used to end shows with this. I know. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Well, it's just uh, you know, it's nostalgic. First album, let's play Working Man or In the Mood or Finding My Way. Cool way to end the show. Yeah, guess so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But yeah. Ooh, you drive me crazy, baby, you're the one. I just want to rock and roll you, woman, until the night is done. That's you don't right. you don't believe that? I don't. I don't get that. You don't think Getty wants to do that? Oh, I'm, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe he's not doing it. He just, in his head, he wants to do it. Yeah. Or he thinks that the listeners want to hear that. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he thinks. Uh, maybe he thinks the rock and roll audience would take to this kind of lyric. Right. I, yeah, this song definitely smells like a song that was, the, the lyrics were written with a rock and roll lifestyle in mind. That, you know they, I mean? that like, they weren't living, in your opinion. They may not have been living. That is true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, let's, if you're going to write a rock song, what are rock songs about? Like, almost every Stones song. Yeah. It's about getting chicks. Yeah. I mean, so many of them. It's almost embarrassing how many songs are about getting chicks. And for all the Rush fans who were chanting more cowbell, they got it in this song. <laughs> John right. Rutsey hitting the cowbell. I kind of like it. Now, did, when they played this live recently, did Neil uh, do the cowbell thing? Yeah. Yeah? I think so. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's got to have a cowbell oh, stuck in sure. there somewhere. Got to have one, right? But uh, go over, on for so long. overall, I mean, what do you think of this song? Um, it's not my favorite song on the album. I don't like the, the riff. Okay. It's, it's, it, for some reason, it sounds just a, a tad um, derivative, but of what, I can't tell you. Just of like a rock song, that's all. It's right. not a very inspiring song or innovative to me. So it surprises you that this was one of the right, more popular songs on the record. Yeah, and one that they would want to play. It seems kind of almost formulaic. Well, I think I think a lot of their song lists were not only songs that they wanted to play, but the songs that they thought the fans wanted to hear, too. Right. I just I mean, think I Finding think, My Way is, is a much better way, a much better song. Sure. Oh, I agree. I mean, to me, Finding My Way... Finding My Way, What You're Doing, and probably the two, and Working Man. Yeah. Probably the three better songs on the record. Yep. Okay. All right, fair enough. Shall we move on to the next track, Jer? Before and After? Before and After. Now, do you think the title of this song refers to the two parts of the song? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. You think? Yeah, I actually read that somewhere. Oh, okay. What, did Getty and Alex say that that's... I don't remember who said what. But yeah, there's definitely two parts to this song. Right. There's a before and there's an after. Right. The before is, uh, you know, slow. A little slow. Mm-hmm. Great bass, though. 
The bass, oh yeah, the bass in the song is killer. The gra- the bass is awesome. The right. drums are great. I mean, all three of them play phenomenally on this record. Really, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you think of the chorus of this song, Jar? Oh, please remind me of what the chorus is. The chorus is simply yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. It's it's like da do 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 da 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 da. And what's the thing the police always used to say? Like there was one like lyric that they always did some kind of nonsense thing. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. That's okay. Wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> but this song is very Zeppelin. If yeah. You ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Very very Zeppelin. Yep. And I like it. I think it's a good song. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those. Uh, you know, it's another macho sexual bravado type of songs. Yeah. So. Well, now my story's over, baby, and I ain't going to tell it twice. Well, you better start listening or get out of my life. Right. I don't believe that either. <laughs> right. That is. That's just, yeah. That's not something Getty or Alex would say. No. To a woman. No. Probably not. No. But not they may have thought um, their fans would think right. it was cool. Like, again, just like um, just like in the mood, it sounds like the topic of a rock and roll song. Right. And, you know, the 20-year-old Getty and, and let's face it, the 20-year-old Steve and Jerry might have written the same thing. Yeah, I would still write the same thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's not a pretty picture when I try to write a song. It's not good at all. Have you tried to write lyrics? Seriously? Oh, yeah. And Oh, no, ter- oh yeah, it's awful. They're terrible? It's so really? hard. I would think you'd be a good lyric oh, writer. You'd be wrong. It's so hard <laughs> to write a song. It is one of the more, more impossible things you could ever do with your time. But But you're a good writer, and I would think if you're a good writer, you should be able to write good lyrics, no? Well, I think lyrics are, are so concise- Mm-hmm. Or you have to be so concise. It's almost like poetry. Yeah. But again, it has to have something to do with the, there, there's so much to balance when writing a song. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just beyond me. Okay. It's, 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 it's like, uh, you know, I refinished my basement uh, a number of years ago. You wrote a song about that? I wrote a song about my basement. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying like I refinished my basement, which is one set of skills, but I couldn't, you know follow architectural drawings and, and build an entire skyscraper. That's what I'm saying. The difference okay. between the difference between writing any old song and writing a great song is the difference between putting up drywall and building the twin towers. Yeah. So well the amazing thing is that Neil was the perfect lyric writer and and Getty and Alex, their songs were fantastic. And yep. putting those two together, yeah. It's perfection. Yeah. I mean the just because you're good in one area of writing or any kind of creative endeavor, those skills don't always translate into another, right? Great, right. great novelists sometimes can't write short stories and vice versa. Right. And great songwriters can't write novels. So, Like Paul Rogers, you mean? Paul Rogers. Bad company. Yeah. <laughs> Does he write a, did he write, try to write a novel? I know who he is. Was he writing a novel or is he still no. talking about making love? <laughs> I was I was referring to feel like making love. <laughs> Forget me. Don't worry about me. Let's I would like I would like to read one of his his novels. <laughs> Let's move on to track eight, Jared. Working man.
probably the most iconic Rush song. I would say so. I mean, that maybe uh, definitely from this time period. I think before Moving Pictures, this might be the most iconic, most identifiable Rush song. So until Moving Pictures, this was this was the song. I think so, right? I mean, just as a just as a popular type of song that somebody would recognize. Yeah, I could be wrong. Well, I would say the Spirit of Radio too. Sure. Okay. Closer to the heart. Okay. Sorry, I don't mean to correct <laughs> okay, you. Okay, go. Let's go. Okay. Until, until until I would say until a farewell to kings. Sure. Closer closer to the heart is probably more iconic than this. I think. I get, I mean I just think that you know they never closed the show with closer to the heart. True. I mean when you're talking when talking about like an anthemic kind of rush song All right. like, and a great album closer and one that everybody kind of looks forward to, I think it's this one. Okay. People love the fact that they ended no, the no, show with fair. Working Man. That's fair. That's I, fair. I, I dug myself out of that hole pretty quick. All right. I? Okay. But I would still <laughs> say the spirit of radio is definitely a song that's right up there with Working Man in that realm. No? Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I could, yeah, there's so many songs for me are iconic. So. Yeah, but I, I think not just us, the huge Rush fan, just to the generic Rush fan who doesn't know every song. That's true. I wonder if the generic Rush fan listens to this album, though. But this is probably on the greatest hits. I don't have the greatest hits, the Rush greatest hits, but Either do I'm I. sure it is. Well, there's no reason to. You yeah. have all the records. I know. You don't need the greatest <laughs> hits. But if we is had. It? I don't know. I'd have to look. Yeah, I bet you it is. We'll have to do uh, one podcast on the greatest hits. Yeah, sure. Uh, we could do that. I would love... I, is that Chronicles? Yeah, I guess so. Well, no, there's a bunch of them. You know, the record companies, when they have nothing better to put out, they throw a greatest hits out there. Right. There's three or four, I think. One of them... Chronicles is two CDs, I think. Yeah. And um, there are a few others that are one CD. But I would think Working Man would have to be on them. Absolutely. Would have to be. If you don't spoon put out a greatest hits album they did they don't have any hits i mean i love they Sp- don't i love spoon but no hits well it's it's interesting i listened to a podcast i forget which one it was about the spoon greatest hits album it really? might have been the rolling stone podcast and they were talking about it they basically had to decide what the greatest hits were because they don't have any hits they don't have any hits i don't so, even know what's on it so i have all the spoon albums yeah so, so the band members had to kind of collaborate and decide which songs they thought were the hits. Wow. Their their greatest hits, I guess. Yeah. Which I can understand, I guess. Yeah. Well, the record company wanted to put it out, so they did it. This isn't our Spoon podcast, though. This is not. So, uh, so I was reading, uh, I forget which book it was. I saw the quote online. Uh, Kirk Hammett was uh, speaking one of, I think, one of Martin Popoff's books. Okay. And said, this song sounds like Led Zeppelin's Heartbreaker. What do you think of that? I don't, I don't hear it either. No, I don't hear that at all. I'm telling you, I don't really hear Zeppelin on this album. No. So I don't know. I, I never I never understood that. So, so lyrically, uh, this song is about just that, the working man. Yeah. And um, the reason it was so popular is because it resonated with uh, the working man, do you think? The, the, the working class of uh, Cleveland? Yeah. I guess, sure. And musically, I think it's a terrific song, and the riff is awesome. I think it's one of two Rush songs that mentions beer. Yes. The other. Uh, what is the other one? It's on uh, Power Windows. 
Territories. Territories, yeah. My, fav- my favorite song on the album. <laughs> it is. And I forgot it. There yeah, Territories, go. yeah. So that guy, our friend Eric, with the cut-off cut <laughs> cut jean off. jacket. <laughs> when they play working, man. <laughs> beer! He loves it. He loves beer. He loves beer. Like Eric loves beer. And he hey, we, we like beer, too. I don't like beer. Okay. Well, that's a that's a whole other discussion, Jared. We, you could have just our beer podcast. You could have just agreed with me and said, "Yeah, I like beer too." Okay, I like beer too. <laughs> you just edit that in. So sadly, Jared, this is the first and only record that John Rutsey appeared on, and I thought he was amazing on this record. Yeah, I know. Really? He's, a, he's a great drummer, obviously. Yeah. You know, uh, people are can be weird about drummers sometimes, like uh, like Ringo Starr. A lot of people don't think that Ringo is a good drummer. But Ringo is a fantastic drummer. Oh, absolutely. He is one of the best drummers ever. And it's because he, uh, Ringo, does what the song needs. That's all he does. Yeah. He, you know, the song uh, dictates a certain beat and he plays the beat. He keeps, he keeps the song rolling right along. And that's what John does on these songs. He's a, he's a great drummer. He's yeah. not, you know, he does a lot of fills, but, you know, he's not, going crazy because of this these songs don't don't demand that kind of playing right so and again we shouldn't compare him to neil who nope. goes crazy on the next record which we're going to get into on the next podcast right. we're going to talk about fly by night which yeah. i'm very excited about yeah so am i i i just thought it made sense or we thought it made sense now you, to, you made the decision quite unilaterally but did i a, really <laughs> no that's okay <laughs> to go from the first rush album to fly by night it makes sense yeah it does make sense absolutely absolutely yeah and uh since neil has just joined the band Let's do Fly By Night. Yeah, let's do Fly By Night. Why not? Sure. I think it's exciting. So the one thing I did want to mention is is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony. Oh, okay. When Rush got into the Rock and Roll All Hall right. of Fame. All right. John Rutsey was not inducted with them. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Only the three of them wow. were inducted. Why which, do you think that is? I haven't the slightest idea. It could be because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is completely out of touch <laughs> with music in general. Right as evidenced by the fact that it took them so long to get Rush in there mm-hmm. and other bands. I mean, so many diff- other bands and artists that deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame aren't in there. That's a whole other, we could talk about that for an, an hour. Right. But I don't know why John's not in there with them because there are other bands that have band members that weren't really in the band for that long and didn't have as much impact on the band as John did on Rush. I think it's kind of random, though. I I do think there are other musicians that were in bands that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There are other omissions. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Who, oh, I'm not absolutely. sure who they are. Absolutely. But some, like you said, some people are in that you think, why is that guy in? If John Rutsey's not in, why is this guy in? Right. I mean, when Metallica, how do they make that determination? I don't know how they made that determination. Maybe pressure from the band themselves. Like when Metallica got in. Um, Obviously, Cliff Burton right. was, and um, what's his name? Jason Newstead. Jason Newstead. He's he, in. He's in. But so is Robert Trulio, or whatever, how you pronounce his last he's name. He's a great bassist. He's a great bassist, but he is Why not, shouldn't he be in it? Because he was just in the, he's just the bassist in the band. At that point, he was just the bassist in the band at that point. He wasn't a right, founding they, member. Right, he but they have albums out. With, yeah, but he didn't play on all of those fantastic Metallica albums. He, if but any, John Rutsey didn't play on all those fantastic Rush albums. Yeah, but uh, what I'm saying is that um, it's the same thing. It's Ru- just it's just the opposite. I don't think that Robert Trulio is as integral 
I disagree. To the uh, popularity and musical composition of, of Metallica. I think he's probably more so than John Rutsey was to Rush. No offense to John. I think John was a very important member of Rush. I but know, I think just, all three bassists should be in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame for Metallica. I don't know. That just bothered me. Really? Yeah. It bothered you that he that he was in get, that he that did he, get in, but he did get in when other people didn't get in. Really? Oh well, no. That makes sense. I mean. That makes sense. You're not saying Robert Trulio shouldn't be in. You're just saying that, that if he's other, in, Rutsey should be in. Right, and vice versa. Okay. If some people that, well, aren't that makes in, sense. why is he? I in? thought you were saying Trulio shouldn't be in. I think he should be. I think if, but if you're like if trying to balance out why Metallica, for instance, is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of the Robert Trulio years. And Rush isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of the John Rutsey years. Oh, yeah, uh, I guess that makes a point. Yeah. Yeah. I still think, <laughs> I still think Rutsey should have been in it. I agree. I agree he should have been, but. They are not in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame because of John Rutsey's contributions. Hmm. Really, if you think about it. And right. that may be what the Rock Roll Hall of Fame was thinking. Maybe. Right. Look, I think he should be in. We love John Rutsey. Yeah. We love this album. And we love you, the fans, for listening to the Rush Fancast. We really appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at Rush Fancast, Instagram the Rushcast, email Jerry the Rushcast at gmail.com. Rate us on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. And next time, we're going to do Fly By Night. Yeah, Fly By Night away from here. So until next time, Jer, please, please give me a quote. Give me something. Oh, boy, give you a quote. Hold on. <laughs> here we go. I'll give you one. Okay. I get home at 5 o'clock. I take myself out a nice cold beer. Yeah. Always seem to be wondering why there's nothing going down here. <laughs> take it easy. All right, see you.